You are Locked On SEC Football, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to your Locked On SEC Football Podcast. We have a ton to get to today, just more recruiting news as camps are beginning to open, but kids are making some final decisions before they get uh, on the field. Uh, Also, plenty of news from Alabama, Ole Miss, also South, South Carolina, Uh, Also, a recruiting report. Um, We'll have uh, thoughts on the scouting spotlight on Javon Kinlaw, Derek Brown, Stephen Sullivan. And we'll talk LSU as we preview every SEC team. And it's time for the Bayou Bengals. So let's get rolling here. First, I want to remind you, support of your Locked on SEC football podcast comes from Manscaped, number one in men's below-the-belt grooming may have seen them on Shark Tank. Manscaping offers precision engineer tools for a down below. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code locked on at manscaped.com. 20% off at manscaped.com with the promo code locked on. So let's get rolling with some news and notes of the day. And we have an idea of where Yavi Anumoma is uh, headed after things didn't work out at Alabama, and there's certainly a crimson tide top if he heads north to be a Terrapin. Well, the young man is from the Baltimore area. Um, Baltimore's been in the news a lot lately, uh, lately nationally, and um, you know that makes some sense. Certainly, who recruited him, who was involved in recruiting him, obviously. So he's looking hard at Maryland. Be surprised if he doesn't decide to go there. We'll see if something gets done pretty quick. But, uh, you know, remember, he was a, a five-star kid, 6,245-pound guy, not coming at uh, back at Alabama. He entered the transfer portal. We talked about that uh, uh, yesterday. Wasn't not enrolled in at Alabama. The deadline to enroll for the fall semester, he's not there. So, uh you know, he played fairly well in limited duties, um, you know, obviously with a lot of players there and homesick. Uh, who knows the, the, the entire story, but it's not going to be back at Alabama and very likely to update the story uh, could be headed um, to Maryland. And, you know, we've talked about what Mike Loxley's going to probably do there, and it's certainly big emphasis on recruiting, but I think transfers are going to be big a big part of it as well. I think that again, we've we've talked about this at nauseum, Dave. It's college free agency, and I think a lot of these guys that uh, may be from that area, that uh, maybe uh, that gone to big time schools, you know, from Maryland, they've got to do two things. They've got to get more of the big time players in that area to go to Maryland. But when they don't and they lose them to a big time program, uh, a bigger time program, they're going to keep close tabs on them. This is going to be something that if the transfer rules continue and we're going to see it modified, we know, you're going to see that. All right, look, let's let's track all these guys. Are you a recruiter? You stay in touch with them, their families. How's he doing over at Clemson? How's he doing over at Alabama? How's he doing over at Georgia? How's he doing over at Ohio State? Yada, yada, yada. Uh, How's he doing over at Penn State? You know, well, you know what? He can come in and play early. You're going to get a lot of that. So when – it's kind of the second bite at the apple, Dave. So if, if they miss them in recruiting and lose them, maybe they can get them in college free agency. Maybe they'll be willing to transfer in a year or so. They think they're going to go in and maybe light it up at Alabama or Clemson. Maybe they will. Maybe they won't. They don't. 
they got a home for him at Maryland. I think it's going to be, you know, that type of program that Mike's going to be very, very aggressive in trying to acquire talent. As we said, if he's not getting and upgrading that talent level at Maryland, then he's not doing his job because that's his strength. Well, we know the transfer rules. And, of course, he's Chris Landry at LandryFootball.com. I'm Dave Fooker. We know the transfer rules have been loosened considerably. But Mm -hmm. how about the tampering rules? I mean, at at what point are you having too much contact with a guy who's on scholarship at another school? That would be the question I would have. Uh, We're already past that. At what point? We're already there. I mean, it's, you know, (laughs) high... We're already to that point where there's, uh, it is, there are a couple of things that I've said this and I get it. And, uh, boy, I don't want to be so, you know, broad here, but a lot of the, um, I don't want to sound like the politician, a lot of the, the liberal nature of, of how things are covered in uh, college football, oh, the poor players, they don't get paid. Oh, they can't transfer. The coaches can leave. All that just kind of woe is me and that, that narrative, you know, there's not many original thoughts in, in, the, in the sports media. Somebody says something and it's very easy for other people to pick it up. And then it's just, oh, you know, as I, as I say, you know, a hundred idiots repeat it and they think it's true. It's like without really knowing what goes on, there's a lot of unintended consequences. So there's a lot of things about recruiting that's got a lot worse. And part of it is, okay, anybody can leave anytime they want. Well, no, they realize pretty quickly, haven't they, that eh, that's not working very well because the kids are going to lose out on scholarship. Well, of course they will. They leave. They don't have their scholarship. What if they can't find a place? Yeah, well, 60% of the players leave. Can't find a home. Can't find a scholarship. How's that helping the players? dumb again i just i just believe a lot we live in a hot take world and a hot take society but you know i don't know you know people have to be more responsible with understanding the consequences that go and involved with this i think it's very unhealthy that we're recruiting players way too early david shaw said something head coach at stanford that was really important he used the term and i'll i'll i'll, I'll just you know second it that the recruiting of junior high kids, very unhealthy, very seedy, uh, unsavory. It's, it, it's not good. You don't know how, you don't know enough about the player at that point or the person at that point, and they don't know enough about you. So the whole cycle of we got to start recruiting kids earlier and earlier, the more mistakes are made by the school and the player on their decisions, that leads to unhealthy relationships and now you can transfer anytime you want. We're headed towards chaos. And everybody thinks, oh, yeah, it's great. The players can go anywhere they want. No, they can't. Very few players can go wherever the heck they want. Most of them are, you know, fine. You know, that's great. You save us. You're, you're not somebody that's all that happy. We can replace you. We can use your scholarship with either a better player, somebody that has a better attitude or a better student that can stay. I mean, that's kind of how it's looked at. So I don't know. Be careful what you wish for. And a lot of these rules are being instigated by public pressure, media pressure, and they're being instituted by people that have no clue um, whether the football is blown or stuff. So it's a big problem, I think. Well, and if, you know, if you have 
mom and dad, even if they're not direct uh, contacting the players directly, and you have mom and dad hearing from another coach in another school, hey, little Johnny's not playing enough, that's going to filter the little Johnny, and it's going to distract him, and I just don't know that uh, it's it's good for him long term. I've seen that up close where players are unhappy with playing time and have affected then their practice habits, and then it's just cyclical. It affected their playing time as well. So uh, I, I I don't know how you enforce tampering nowadays. That it does it does seem to be just a free you, agent. You can't uh, world. You can't. There's no. You can't stop the cheating because the enforcement body um, just is not strong enough. They can't cover it, and they're not gonna. They're not gonna stop the tampering with the communication age. Um, as I said, the recruiting process starts earlier and ends later. I mean, they, it continues when they're on another campus. So there's a lot of unsavory elements to it. And then we're getting into a new society. I don't want to be overly, you know, um, but, you know, it's, it's no different than society. Things that were, just think about today's world, social media. How easy it is for people to be rude ugly and downright vile to one another. How many of those situations would occur face to face? How many of the, you know, the things that are said in social media behind a, you know, a a keyboard would, would actually be said face to face from one person to another, very little, but it's very easy to do that. Well, you think about that from a societal standpoint, nothing to do with sports or football. Now you bring it into that element. Well, kids again are contacted more. The the people that are involved with them, families and whatnot, are, are contacted more and more. So there's there's more of a range of being able to reach kids and people that are around them that uh, they're associate with friends and family. And there are a lot of things that go on that could um, make a kid very comfortable or uncomfortable. Then you have other issues. Sometimes it's just things that People don't realize sometimes it's a kid that is, you know, first time in love and, and he's on a campus and girl breaks his heart and he just doesn't want to be at the school anymore. It's nothing to do with football. I mean, there are a lot of things that go on. And then I I think that being able to constantly communicate with the player, um, you couldn't do that. Think about before cell phones and text messages, realize how difficult it was. You didn't have, you didn't give out dorm room numbers. How are you going to get in touch with a player from, you know, school A to school B? That was you. I mean, that was very difficult. You might have a home number for the parent and whatnot. Now, who doesn't have a cell phone? It is very easy to be able to make the communication, and therefore, very that much difficult to stop communication from going on. And everybody's looking for their opportunity. And you come here, you can start. You can play pro ball, but you're not going to do it over there. You're not starting. All that type, all that chirping continues to go on. It's very, very unhealthy and very, very unsavory in my view. Agreed. Um, let's run through the rest of the news and notes of the day. Ole Miss with an injury. South Carolina picks up pretty good transfer, and Tennessee loses a player. Your thoughts on that trio? Well, um, it, 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 Alex Givens. Uh, lower back surgery, a little procedure. Uh, the offensive guard of Ole Miss going to be ready for the season open. They believe they're going to limit it. His um, 
reps in fall practices coming up. He's got NFL potential. It's a good-looking player. Uh, junior tape was uh, pretty good. So, um, But they look like they feel he's going to play. I always worry about backs, though. Um, back injuries, that is. Um, Tevian Feaster has finally decided where he is headed, the Clemson senior running back. We talked about it, gosh, a while back that he was making his rounds, and we said it was South Carolina, Virginia Tech, with South Carolina a little bit of an edge. We left it there. It's official. He has gone to South Carolina. He's enrolled there, and he's going to compete um, with A.J. Turner, Rico Dowdell, um, Mon Denson. We'll see what South Carolina can get done out of their running game. I think it's a good spot. Obviously, stays in the state, but you know, I think there's some good back, but they don't have a special back. I'm not sure that Feaster is that, can be that for South Carolina, particularly early on, but uh, he certainly helps their depth and maybe can get something for him. And a really good young uh, redshirt freshman receiver from Appalachian State is headed to Tennessee. Uh, he's from Knoxville, so he's returning home. He's 6'2", 197. Um, graded him out last year at, at, um, at App State. You know, this, this kid, you know, played pretty well. Um, he's going to give them some depth and I think help them on special teams. So a good little addition for the Vols there. Nothing major, but uh, a guy that's got some ability uh, to be a role player. And I know Tennessee lost a uh, out of a player enter the transfer portal as well of a defensive lineman, uh, Karat Garland. Now, I don't mm-hmm. know that that's a big loss, but when you're talking about Anybody, really, Chris, that might be able to give you 10, 15 snaps at, at Tennessee, that's that's a loss considering where their lo- roster is. Well, and it hurts you in practice, too. It helps you, hurt you in scout team. It, it hurts you on all those things. But, you know, I think a lot of what it is, too, is, again, what's the whole story there? Um, did they feel like he – would they rather have had his scholarship – to maybe pursue other options, that's that's all a part of it. So a lot of these transfers are, I don't know, kind of pushed out of the nest type moves. I don't, I'm not saying that's the case here, but um, that's something we always need to be aware of. But, yeah, you, you're right, and the line of scrimmage is where Tennessee has got to improve upon, and they're working hard to do just that in recruiting. Coming up, a full recruiting report, uh, commitments to LSU and Georgia scouting spotlight on uh, several players, South Carolina, Auburn, and LSU. So more to come. It is your Locked On SEC Football Podcast with Chris Landry. I'm Dave Hooker. Stay tuned. You are Locked On SEC Football, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back. It is your Locked On SEC Football Podcast. It's time for a recruiting report, the commitments to LSU and Georgia. What do you make of the latest pickups for those two contenders? Well, big news, big uh, uh, verbals. Um, LSU gets um, uh, uh, Landon Watson, a four-star defensive end. Good-looking kid at 6'3", 240, edge guy. Uh, plays on his feet very well. He's got good burst uh, off the snap. He's got some good upside. Um, ideal fit for their um, their wide five technique and uh, seven technique uh, edge rushers. Good looking kid. Uh, top 200 overall player. So great get for the Tigers and Bed Ogeron. Georgia getting um, Kendall Milton, um, five star running back in most people's eyes. 
You know, he's a power back, Alabama, Georgia, LSU, Ohio State. I, he's a big power back, 220-pound guy, not a lot of wiggle, not a lot of burst, but um, more of that, that physical downhill guy that has more of a fullback type of build and run skills. But um, not quite sure. I don't have him graded quite as well as others, but think he's really good and has that value if using that downhill role, which is where the dogs are, are planning to use them. So two good gets um, inside the SEC in the, in the last 24 hours. And then a scouting spotlight. You had some players that we were going to take a look at. Uh, Javon Kinlaw at South Carolina is first up. Yeah, Javon Kinlaw is, uh, I think, leads a pretty good South Carolina defensive line that has, <clears throat> excuse me, a, a solid depth. Um, but to me, he does the best job of that group uh, at South Carolina to convert speed to power, use of hands, heavy hands, 6'6", 302 pounds. Um, you know, he's, he can be a little bit of a wrecking ball, like his first step. And uh, I think he's a guy that's uh, worth paying a lot of attention to this fall. I've talked a lot about Derek Brown. Uh, he is just so good. Um, you know, he's 6'5", 318 pounds, a pure man. Um, this guy's, you know, he can line up on the nose. He can line up as a three technique. He can line up as a five technique on early downs. I mean, he can bull rush. Um, he's got quick use of hands, you know, he can, um, he can split a gap and, and, uh, you know, get that push up the middle. Uh, and he's just so good at setting the edge. Just this guy's, I think a top 10, top 12 talent next year's draft. We'll see if he can stay healthy. He's got to learn how to string pass rule, uh, pass rush moves, uh, together a little bit better, but that's all part of it. Um, I think this guy's just is going to be a big time man that's going to going to play very very effectively inside at the next level and I think he heads you know what maybe maybe is the best defensive line in football one of the best maybe not depth wise but he's the anchor of perhaps the best defensive line in college football. So Derek Brown has just uh, been outstanding. And then I want to talk a little bit about Stephen Sullivan who's uh, kind of a now look, they, they lost Foster Moreau at LSU at tight end. And Steven is not a tight end. He's not a receiver. He's a tweener. As they go to more spread concepts, as they kind of employ more of that, now this is a unique guy. I mean, he's 6'7", he's 230 pounds. You know, he um, had two touchdowns uh, last year, 16 yards per catch, uh, catch average. Going to be interesting to see where he goes. Um you know, he's he's more of a, you know, late round undrafted free agent type, but it's a guy that's got enough ability that is not going to give you much in the run game. So if he's on the field, I mean, he can do some of the crack back, crack back blocking stuff from the Y flex position. Um, and he's not going to be a seam stretcher, but I think he can catch it. They want to work the tight ends a little bit more. This offense is going to be interesting to monitor. They've got some good receivers. But they like to use. They want to use the backs, and I've been preaching for that uh, for a while now. Using the backs and the tight ends more in the passing game. That's something that they never did. Uh, and we'll see how this plays out. But I think Stephen Sullivan is a guy that if they do more of that, 
um, and work the short passing game a little more, he could be one of the benefactors of it. Coming up, we'll have a preview of that LSU and uh, see what they can do this season. Is this the year they topple Alabama? A lot of people think that that's a, at least a possibility. I'm not saying they're predicting it, but we'll get Chris Landry's take on that right after this. I'm Dave Hooker. Go to the LandryFootball.com to learn more about football. NFL, college, recruiting level, doesn't matter. Check it out. It's just going to be a great resource for you. So stay tuned. You're locked on SEC Football Podcast. Rolls on after this. You are locked on SEC Football, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back. It is your Locked On SEC Football Podcast, a season preview of LSU. And I know the talk at SEC Media Days was not that it, I don't think anybody that I spoke to was predicting that LSU would beat Alabama this year. And I still think that's going to be a, about a touchdown favorite game, if you ask me off the top of my head right now. But uh, at least people thought it was a possibility. How close is the talent gap? And uh, with LSU's new offensive approach, are they close to the tide in terms of the 2019 season? Well, I don't think they are at this stage. Now, obviously, with games being in November, we don't know how the teams are going to look at that point, and certainly injuries could affect that and maybe uh, bring it bring the gap a little bit. I, I still think Alabama is uh, more talented, and they're, they're definitely, uh, without question, a better coach team. Um, and that that's always, you know, a big advantage that um, – that, that Alabama has over LSU and has had for some time. Um, I don't know that LSU's offense is going to be a lot different than people think. I think they're going to have elements of it. It's going to be real interesting. But as we get into the Tigers, the, the thing that jumps out at me is they do have a lot of athleticism and size. If you're sizing up the SEC talent-wise, just from a pure roster standpoint, uh, I, I think LSU's third. I think they're – you know, in, in some areas, I think Auburn's better. Um, you know, I think in maybe a couple of areas, A&M, get a couple of areas, Florida. But overall, I think uh, I think LSU's probably the third best team, the third best roster in the SEC. But there's, there's a gap between, uh, you know, after Alabama and Georgia. But this is a team that can line up athletically and with sides. Uh, they're big and strong on the lines of scrimmage. Um, you know, much like Auburn, they got a lot of returning offensive linemen. They could be very good there. I expect them to be very good. Um, they need to be appreciably better than they were last year. They did not play well up front, uh, on the offensive line. I, I think Aub- Auburn's got maybe a little better defensive line at this point, but LSU's really good. They just, they're going to, they're going to be physical. They're going to attack you on defense. I think the difference and again, this is where you look at overall talent. Where's the talent? Um, LSU with Joe Burrow, they've got an experienced quarterback that's been a year in the system. It gives them a huge edge there. Uh, his development is going to dictate what they're able to do offensively. And how much of that is Ed going to be willing to, to let go? I mean, listen, I think what they want to do, and I think that, you know, got to be careful out there because the expectation, oh, LSU is going to come out and they're going to run spread and look like a Big 12 team. 
That is not what they want to do. That's not what they plan to do. What they want to do is become more effective in the uh, the RPO game overall in the passing game. So how do you really do that? I think a lot of ball control passing, a lot of, again, the run pass options where the decision-making is put more onto the quarterback, that's what I think Burrow's ready to do a little bit more. But if they start, uh, stray too far away from running the football, then their defense won't be as good. And you could see LSU maybe having a couple more losses than you anticipated. This team is too good to kind of mix with the system too much but it needs tweaking in terms of the passing game. But I think they're going to go as far as Joe Burrow will take them. He barely knew the system when he got the job last year. Um, this is a team that can ask more of him this year and say, go and make a play for us. I think he won over the team all of last year. I, I think that uh, he won it for him. And you talk about bowl games. and they're, they're, I thought his play, when he got body rocked, and he, he got lit up in the bowl game against UCF, and he just got up. And, I mean, I, I didn't think he knew where he was even at. He came back in the game. I, I, I thought his toughness showed all year long, but that kind of was the, the, the benchmark of this is how tough this guy is, and I think he won this team over. They've got good talent at running back. They're just young. Now, Clyde uh, Edwards-Alaire is not a special back. But he's got good vision, runs with good balance. John Emery's a name to remember, a name to to pay attention to, because I think as the season goes along, uh, Healthwood standing, you're going to know a lot more about him out there, folks, than you do right now. He's a true freshman that is going to be really, really good. I mentioned the tight end position. Going to miss Foster Moreau. Who's going to step up there? They've got some interesting young guys. Uh, Randy Moss's son is is playing there, Jamal Pettigrew, and they just don't have a proven guy there. Uh, we we talked a little about Stephen Sullivan, who's really more he's he's in the receiver group. He goes he's in the receiver room, but he does a lot of the slot stuff, big slot stuff. So I think the linebackers are going to be really good, even though that Devin White's gone. You can't lose a guy like that. I thought Patrick Queen played very well. Uh, the secondary is as good as there is in the country. Um, you know, we'll see. We'll see what they can do with the RPOs. We can see, um, you know, you can't find a way to win every game by shutting people out all the time. You have to be able to score some points in this league. Grant Delpit is one of the elite players in college football. Uh, Caleb Von Chason, I think, could be an elite pass rusher. I think this team's got a lot of ability. The receiving core retains uh, it, uh, uh, comes back intact. Um, Again, I think they'll be able to run it. I think they'll have good quarterback play. Uh, I think the offensive line will be pretty good. I think defensive line, um, you know, depth could be an issue, but I like the group um, of starters, and I think there's some young guys that could develop more play time. I think it's a stout defense. I think they've got some playmakers, um, you know, a veteran offensive line coming back. Expectations are a little bit higher, Dave. Last year, I thought foolishly people started to, oh, they might be 6-6 six and six this year. How's LSU going to be 6-6 six and six with that talent last year? I mean, even if they are a little bit undercoached from time to time, there's no way that was going to happen. You know, 10-3, and three, you know, could have been 10-2. and two. They're ten and, They were 10-3 and three overall, 5-3 and three in the SEC. And that's kind of what they look like. I mean, yeah, you know, they will point to the A&M game and bad calls, but you know what? I mean, 
they were fortunate to beat the Auburn uh, to win the Auburn game. So I, listen, you are what your record says you are. They lost to Florida. They lost to Alabama. They lost to AM in the overtime game. Um, the whole stats about the year and the defense and giving up all those points. Look, I mean, that's that's very much skewed by the fact that um, they gave up all those points in an overtime game. I think this is a really good team. Um, I think they'll win a lot of games. I think that they'll likely beat Texas and well, Georgia Southern, then Texas. Uh, I think that from a talent standpoint, only Alabama is better. I think Auburn and Florida are comparable. They get both of those games in um, in, the, in Baton Rouge. They also get A&M in Baton Rouge, who they have more talent than. So, listen, I think that the worst-case scenario, they would have lose those type of games Eight and four would be a disappointing year for this team. I think they expect to be eleven and one. I think people think that they're, as you mentioned, maybe close to beating Alabama. I don't know that people expect that, but I think if they go nine and three, would probably be disappointing. Is that unrealistic? Probably, but you know, I think you know it's hard to go eleven and one in the SEC, ten and two in the SEC. Talent-wise, they can do it. But we need to see how it develops. The schedule matches up pretty well. Um, getting Florida, Auburn, and AM all at home, you know, can they win two of those three? Uh, you do that, um, you're 10 and 2. You win all three of them and you take care of your business everywhere else, you're 11 and 1. So I kind of see that as the range for them. That's what they are, that's what they should be. Um, Derek Stingley. Much like John Emery is going to be an impact freshman for them on offense, Derek Stingley I think is going to be a, an impact guy at corner. He is adva- he is as, as advanced as any young player in the secondary I've seen probably since Patrick Peterson came there in terms of how, his ability to understand how to stay on top of routes. Uh, listen, they always LSU always forces you to play physically. I mean, just they, they always do a good job. Their backs get a lot of after contact yards. Um, they were um, th- their ability, um, the gang tackler in the, the on the defensive side. Their ability to break tackles on the offensive side of the ball is some of the best in college football. Field position margin um, was not as good as it needed to be last year, and that is going to be important because the hidden winning the hitting yard and hidden yardage is really important for an offense that. Listen, it affects your play calling where you start the drive. So, listen, should be a good year in Baton Rouge and around the SEC for the Tigers. How good? We'll find out. Yeah, I get the feeling that at SEC Media Days, it was almost a hope that LSU could beat Alabama just for a slightly different storyline. I don't know that I actually visited with anyone that really believe that would be the case. But uh, we certainly shall see. And coming up in podcast in uh, the next few days, we're going to talk about why Why is it that uh, we think of Florida and LSU as two of the true powerhouses in college football, but there was a time when they once struggled uh, way back when ago. So Chris Landry will talk about that. Uh, so that is your Locked On SEC Football Podcast. Do not forget to give us a review on Facebook. We would love to hear what you have to say. 
And we will talk to you tomorrow as football season is right around the corner. For Chris Landry, I'm Dave Hooker. That's your Locked On SEC Football Podcast. Have a fantastic day, everyone.